Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Michael Lynch. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So Michael is the founder of Tiny Pilot and published a blog post, I guess it was last week, that's when it came across my radar, uh, called I Regret My $46,000 Website Redesign or something to that effect, uh, which probably a dozen people sent to me. I guess it was at the top of Hacker News. It was it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Uh, so congrats on the viral blog post. Oh, thanks. So before we get into the, the, the guts of the post, could you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm a software developer, so I spent most of my career at the big companies like Microsoft and Google, and uh, I quit my job at Google in 2018 to start my own business. And so I, I tried a few different things over the years. And in 2020, the business that really gained traction was a business called Tiny Pilot. And it's a device I sell that lets people manage their computers remotely. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Just like a physical object? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's about a little bigger than like two, two decks of playing cards. Cool. You just plug it in. All right, great. And so the, the, the blog post was about the website for Tiny Pilot, correct? Right. All right. So could you maybe give us a little bit of an overview for, for the two people who didn't read the article yet? <laughs> could you give kind of an overview of of that whole situation? Sure. So I had been making little changes to the website. Um, I, I created the website myself uh, when I first launched in 2020, and it didn't look very good. I, I'm not a great designer. I just found a free bootstrap theme online and threw that up because at the time I hadn't had any, any sales yet. And I told myself that if the company made it, I would uh, hire a professional designer to make a real design. And then about a year later, I the company was making about uh, $45,000 per month in sales. And so I felt like it was, it was time to actually hire that designer. And so I, I interviewed a few different designers and the one I ended up going with was an agency. Um, they were the most expensive that I interviewed per hour. They charged 175 an hour, but they thought it it would probably take 20 to 40 hours, like a $7,000 job over the course of a few weeks. And uh, then the, the project ended up spiraling kind of out of control. And if, as you might guess from the title, $46,000, it was way more than 7,000. So let me, I have a bunch of questions already. Uh, sure. The first one is is just sort of general from a business standpoint. I'm curious: is the the forty five thousand dollars a month that you were bringing in at the time was that is that recurring revenue or that's just straight up sales? That's just straight sales. Okay. Yeah, there's not there's currently not really recurring revenue for Tiny Pilot, or there's like a very small amount from people who have uh, custom licenses. Okay, so so then there was a but you were reasonably comfortable that that was going to be a stable number. So putting yeah, some money it had website. been. It had been in that area for a few months, and it was trending gently upwards, but generally it was was increasing. Okay, so you're like, all right, I've got some, I've got some money to play with here to get the site done for real, right? Um, and you said that you looked at a bunch of different. Where where did you look? I'm curious where you looked for people to help you with this. You know, did you check Fiverr or ask around, or how did you how did you come up with the list of people that you maybe spoke with or whatever or investigated? Yeah, I looked a little bit at Upwork and uh, I've used Upwork a lot in the past, but I pretty much stopped using it a couple of years ago. I feel like Upwork is fine for certain jobs, but 
in my experience, quality tops out at a certain level. Like once people get to a certain level of success on Upwork, they tend to leave Upwork. And I had some friends that are also uh, indie founders. And so I asked them for recommendations. And I, I looked at a few of those and interviewed some of those people, but they didn't have, uh, their portfolios had a style that was pretty different than what I was looking for. And then I looked at the Hacker News monthly hiring threads. So people advertise if they're a freelance, freelancer or agency in those threads. And so I looked at some of those websites and the agency that I ended up hiring is one that I found through those threads because I thought their website looked pretty good. And then in the interviews with them, they were pretty impressive. Okay. And what, I mean, I know you said that when you started, you just sort of threw up your own website and it was, you didn't think it was that great. And when you started yeah. making real money, you'd redo the website, but what were you looking for? Like, like the flip side, you could imagine someone thinking, well, I guess it's good enough, right? If you're right. doing 45K a month in, in reoccurring revenue, right? Um, why bother? What was the, what was the, did you feel like it was holding you back or were you just embarrassed by it? What were the motivations to, to at the point where you did pull the trigger? What was the motivation? Yeah, I wanted to appeal to more business customers. When I started out, it appealed to a lot of home users who wanted a low cost alternative to some of the enterprise solutions for this. And I think there's a large potential customer base of not enterprise customers, but like small to medium sized businesses who don't really need the, the complexity of the enterprise competitors in this space and would be interested in something like mine. But I suspected that they would be turned off by a website that looked more like a project than a business. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of feedback since the blog post where people are like, oh, well, IT people don't care. Like they just want to know that it works. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true to a degree, but I think there are other stakeholders in the real decision-making process. Like the IT people usually have to send it to uh, somebody else in their, their company to get approval to spend $300 on something. So if they're showing them something like, hey, this looks like a real business, that's a much easier sell than like, wait a second, this looks like something a guy put up over the weekend. Like, <laughs> is this a real company? Right. Is this, are we going to get hacked? Right. Um, okay. So it seems like a reasonable, it feels like a pretty standard, like, oh, you know, I want it to look more trustworthy. I want it to yeah. look more professional. Right. Um, did you think that the website, did you expect when doing the, uh, before you decided to redo the website, did you expect that it would have a noticeable increase in sales? Like, did, were you that sure that it, it would make a difference or were you just kind of like, maybe it will? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I was just going by gut feel. Like I know there, there are ways of AB testing it to be really sure, but it's, it's hard to do at my scale. Like I have maybe like three to five sales a day generally. And so like measuring conversion rate on those would take a while. And so I felt like I had also had some experience. One of the developers working with me did like working on design. So he had improved the design quite a bit since I, my original first draft. And that did correlate with increases in sales. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to pin it because there were also lots of other things going on around the same time, but it, it seemed to be like, as we improve the website, the the conversion rates seem to improve. And so I expected that if we invested more in that, we could expect to see a bit more. Okay. All right, great. So I think that's a pretty, pretty good roundup of the motivations. Now, why did you, did you pick the most expensive one? And when you say most expensive, you mean by the hour, right? Like the, right, the highest right. hourly rate. Right. 
did you was it dramatically more than others or were they kind of like you know a, the second one was maybe 150 and you're like ah that's kind of they're kind of more or less the same price wise it seems like you know air quotes price wise because an hourly rate's not a price but um, right but what what flipped the bit for you in terms of going with the most the highest hourly rate was it just the interview you had with the 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 person there it was it was a combination of the portfolio matched the style I had in mind, and they had a pretty deep bench in terms of talent available. So they had illustrators, they had people that could do 3D imaging, they had people that could do animation if we wanted. They had, I didn't really need developers, but I I liked that they had developers because it suggested to me that the designers were used to working with people that like actually had to implement this stuff. It wasn't just like they could throw together a design. It was it would be have to be a design that takes into account the realities of CSS and HTML. Got it. Okay. And and just out of curiosity, is it like a WordPress website? Is it built on something standard, or did you do it yourself? Or it's that's a, <laughs> it's built on a technology called Gridsome. So mm-hmm. um, it's a static site generator. I really like static site generators, and I stumbled upon Gridsome like two years ago, and it's. It's sort of like the the Vue.js equivalent of Gatsby. So Gatsby's for React. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and I was like, wow, this is a great thing. And I was really excited to migrate my stuff over to it. And so that was the, the natural thing to use when I wanted to launch a quick website because I didn't want to learn a whole new thing. Um, and then like two months after I switched over to it, the maintainers abandoned the project. So now I'm yes. stuck with on this, this tech stack. That's, uh, but it's it's not too bad. It's still just Vue. So if you know Vue, you can uh, work with the stack. Okay. So yeah, pretty good reason to to think like, uh, maybe it's good that they work with developers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like you're doing a WordPress theme. Right. Right. Um, okay. So you so you pulled the trigger, right? Did yep. they did they give you anything in writing? Was it like? Um, uh, or is it just like kind of a over email? You're like, okay, this sounds good. Send me your invoice when it comes. Was there a deposit, anything like that? Yeah. There, so there was a contract that said, I'm just paying them by the hour. They're, I mean, it, it was kind of boilerplate, like uh, agency or freelancer agreement. It wasn't a statement of work. It was just like, they're going to do the the things that I asked them to do. Um, and then, yeah, they required a payment upfront of each 30 hour block. So I'd buy 30 hours at a time and then they would do the work. And then when they ran out of hours, they would ask me to pay for another block. Cool. And were there regular, like regular weekly meetings or anything like that? Or was it just kind of, they, they let you know when they had an update or some, something to review? They wanted weekly meetings. I think that's what a lot of their clients are used to. I'm pretty anti-meeting, um, especially like, a a recurring meeting where there's no specific agenda ahead of time. So I pushed for like, we'll meet and like, we'll go over the the updates, but I don't want us to just be like meeting for you to tell me whatever you did that week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they started. And as we know from the blog post, things started to go wrong. What was the right. first warning sign? Well, at first it went really well. Like we were making good progress. They, they started making a logo that I really liked, but the first red flag was they started to go beyond the scope. So when we initially talked, they said, hey, like you actually shouldn't do a redesign. You should just do a rebrand. You should focus on the logo, the colors, the fonts. And that was a thing that won my confidence because I was like, wow, they're they're scoping down the project. Like I was willing to give them more money and they're suggesting something that is better for me. 
But then as we got into it, they started doing things that were beyond what I thought of as a rebranding. They started showing me different versions of the website with different icons and things that I think went a little bit beyond just a rebranding. But it was a little hard for me to tell because like this was my first time working with a design agency. And so the the distinction, the the boundary between what's a redesign and what's a rebrand, because they were when I would ask, they're like, well, some some brands don't work on your old design. So we're gonna we're gonna tweak the design a little bit to to fit the brand, but we're still doing just a redesign or just a rebrand re rather. Mm, okay. That does sound murky. So yeah, so I don't want to. I don't want to tell the story. Uh, so what? Because I know what happens next. <laughs> but so what did happen next? So so you must have gotten you know a, a, some sort of notification like okay your thirty hours are gone. Yeah. So they they went through the the first thirty hours and at that point it felt pretty fine because we they were nearing the end of the logo. It it felt felt like they were making pretty good progress. And then they started the the next batch. And then that ended up going a lot slower. So they stopped responding to uh, my my questions. They stopped responding to my notes and things just got really slow. But at the time it was December. So I was like, you know, it's it's the holidays. Maybe people are just out and they'll pick up again in January. But then in January, things got worse. And I would, I remember there was one instance where I, I said something like, oh, can we increase the contrast and the, the background of this dialog box? And they, it it took like three back and forth before they understand uh, they understood what that meant and i was like i felt like that's a pretty straightforward request <laughs> and so it was such a it was such a difference from the earlier discussion where it felt like we were very much in sync and they were they were almost reading my mind with the logo where they were going in the direction that i wanted and then it it was suddenly like they felt very distracted and were not as engaged as before now were you dealing with the same person like have one contact person or did did they keep changing or you'd work maybe directly sometimes you'd communicate directly with a designer or not an account manager or how did that go it was mainly the same person it was mainly their lead designer sometimes it was the project manager and then the project manager disappeared i later found out that he quit in november and so that was part of the reason that the things went off the rails but mm -hmm. usually it was the lead designer okay all right. So then January, you're, you're, they're like, they're not reading my mind anymore. Yeah. Um, but still sending invoices, presumably. I mean, did right. they, they didn't do anything in December. It sounded like really. Right. And January, they come back and they, they're like, contrast, what's that? Uh -huh. And, um, what, like, financially, what, how much have you burned through at this point to have nothing done, not, not one thing done? Uh, at that point, it was probably probably around twenty k. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and what happened next? Then I I finally reached out to their CEO and was like, "What's going on? The quality is very different than how we started." And like, it it seemed like there was only ten or twenty hours left in the project. Like we were almost done with the logo. We had picked new fonts. Um, so that that part actually was done. They had they had delivered me the name of a new font, and I was able to purchase that. But um, just in terms of like finalizing uh, the design that was going to fit with the the new uh, logo and, and color scheme and everything, it was just like everything was like eighty percent done. And so I talked to the CEO, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, like we've we've had some troubles because the the project manager quit. I've been trying to to fill in." 
And we've got like a lot of new work from our bigger clients that are on retainer agreements with us. And so like, we've been trying to fit you into the cracks, but that's probably why you're noticing that like the communication isn't as smooth as before. And so I was pretty upset at that point. Like yeah. you, you just left me with like a half finished thing or not even a half. It was, it was like 80 to 90% most of the, the stuff was done, but it was just like, I didn't have anything that I could really use. And he's telling you when you've called to complain, not in advance, when he could have told you in November that the project manager quit and he's right. scrambling. You know, it's like, right. really, exactly. that's real weak. Yeah. So, okay. So you've got at this point, 20 grand into it. It feels like stuff's only 20 hours from being done. So you're, yeah. you're carrying a huge sunk cost. Like, yes. so I, I can imagine the, the, you know, you said yourself, you were upset at that point. Yeah. Did you consider firing them or was it just so close? It was like so close. You're like, oh, if we could just get across the finish line, I'll just never talk to these people again. Yeah, I considered firing them. The problem was I was also in the middle of launching a new product. And so I wanted to do a marketing push when I had the new product ready. So like I knew from the experience of trying to find a freelancer or agency, it wasn't easy. I'd probably spent 30 hours on the process of interviewing and then just like bringing the the company up to speed. And I really didn't like the idea of having to do that again. And, you know, it it was a tough, tough call. Like I, I didn't, I felt like I was being taken advantage of, but at the end of the day, like I wanted the website done. Um, and the thing that seemed like it was going to get it done the fastest was just letting this agency finish out the last 10 or 20 hours. Cause I felt like if I brought in somebody else to to finish out the work, it was just going to be so much work of like finding them, trying to bridge the gap between uh, the the old and the new, and and then I with with this agency at least they were a known quantity. Like I I knew what I was getting. Whereas with if I brought somebody else, they could be even worse, and I'd have to fire them. And then maybe it's a year later before I finally get somebody that that can do this work. And so I felt like you know, I'm close enough. Like I want to just, the thing I want is just to wrap it up and then I can put this whole thing behind me. Right. And so I want to call out the, the, the mental calculus going on here for someone in your situation. Cause frankly, uh, you know, a lot of people wrote in about the situation and I was like, oh, this is a good example of something that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like your nuances were very specific. The retainer thing is very interesting wrinkle, mm -hmm. but it happens all the time. Yeah. And you know, people like you end up in this situation where it just, you know, where they're unhappy, upset, spent at this point three times more than the estimate. Yeah. And, but the cost of switching is, feels higher than the cost of staying and just right. sticking it out. Right. But I mean, you're from, you've got a software background and we all know the joke. Uh, how's the product, how's the project going? Oh, 90% done, 90% to go. Uh-huh. So how, you know, did it end up from that point moving forward? Did it end up that it really was 10 or 20 hours or what happened? It really was. So my initial plan was to have them do the design and then have my in-house developers do the development work. And so it really was 10, like that was correct. There was, there was a very small amount of design work left at that point. But the problem was I couldn't get them to do the design work because they were like, well, we just, we really don't have any time for hourly clients right now. And so like, if we, if you want us to do this and you want us to have the same focus that we had in the beginning of the project, um, you need to either like wait indefinitely. And I was asking like, well, 
is it going to be done within the next two months? And he's like, I, I really can't say, but like the thing is, that the, can guarantee, the owner? yeah, this is the CEO, but he was like, but you know, one way you can do it is if you sign a retainer agreement with us. So that way, like w- you'll have guaranteed hours with us and then we can finish, we can finish the remaining work for sure. Like you, you don't have to worry about being preempted because we'll have guaranteed time. This is ridiculous. And- yeah. So, so what he's saying is we haven't got time to work on this, but if you pay us more money, we have time to work on this. Right. And that's something I brought up with him is like, well, you're saying you don't have time. So like, why would you have time if I had a retainer? And he's like, well, the, the thing that we're going to do, if you sign a retainer, we're going to reorganize our staff so that like we have permanent people working on your project. Like we, we want to like, I actually found his explanation reasonable. They're like, we want to build long-term partnerships. And so like, we want to dedicate uh, consistent workers to the people that have retainer agreements with us. And so like, if you're just on an hourly, it's hard for us to tell a retainer client, like, no, the, the, the lead designer isn't available because they're working for an hourly client. But if you're a retainer client, then like, it's much easier for us to justify the cost of like, okay, we're, we're giving you 10 hours of our lead designers time per month. And like denying those 10 hours to to other clients, which like not great for me as a client, but like at the same time I get, like I do get that they want to reward people that make long-term commitments to them. Like if it were my position, if if the roles were reversed, I hope I wouldn't put somebody in a position where like the project is half done and the only option is to do a retainer. But I did get the idea of like, we can, it made a little bit of sense to me. <laughs> Well, here, and it makes sense to me too, but here's the problem. It happened four or five months in and it's, right. you know, that should have been the discussion in day one. Right. If, if this was going to happen, then it should have been a conversation today. This is my opinion. It should, he should right. have said, no, we're not taking you on hourly because you're going to get a crappy experience. Right. Or said, we'll take you on as an hourly client, but I, it, it could take a year. You know, we're just going right. to, you're just going to get in dribs and drabs of time. There might months, months might go by, which they did where you right. get nothing done. Right. So, right. you know, you didn't really have all the information to make an informed decision at the point where you had to make the decision before right. you had this massive amount of sunk cost. Right. So, and, and okay, maybe he thought things would be better than they turned out. That's probably what happened. Yeah. That was but, my sense. Yeah. But for him to not make it right when he's supposedly the expert and he made a promise that he couldn't keep. Right. That's real. That that's the that's the kind of thing. So now, like, dear listener, imagine being the client and being on the receiving end of this kind of a situation. It's I'm telling you, it happens all the time. At mm-hmm. like ask anybody that hires people by the hour, especially design stuff, especially web stuff. Well, maybe that's not fair. It's I just talk to a lot of people like that. So that's probably just uh-huh. that's probably just confirmation bias. But yeah. But it happens all the time. Is this is sure. one of the one of the 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 things I hate about hourly? I used to run an agency. I was the VP of an agency, and this happened all the time. Like every yeah. project, it wasn't a surprise when right. it happened. Right? Like how come these how come the, you know these clients are telling us to do all these different things? You know, so like they're they're the scope is creeping everywhere because the client keeps changing their mind. So fingers are pointing right. in both directions. That's not what happened with you. Right. But this kind of thing happens all the time. Right. And then to blame the client for 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 being too small when that was right. totally 
on the table at the beginning of the deal. Right. And then things go sideways and the owner of the firm is like, no, I'm not going to make this right. You need to become like one of our big clients and then magically we'll get this 10 or 20 hours across the finish yeah. line. It's just really yeah, it was definitely frustrating. And, and kudos to you for not, <laughs> not dragging them online. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, anyway. Okay. So, so how did, it feels like we're nearing the, the conclusion of the tale. So what, what happened next? Um, so yeah, they, they wrapped up once we started the retainer, the design work went really smoothly. It, it was really like going back to the beginning of the project where everything was smooth. The dev work was a lot bumpier. Um, I think they, they weren't really used to working for another developer. Like when I, I have freelance developers that work, uh, in-house in a tiny pilot and like we all do code reviews. I typically review when somebody's first starting, I review all their code before it goes in and then they move on to just doing peer reviews among the other developers. But I was reviewing their code. I think they didn't have experience with that. I think they also underestimated um, like what they wanted to do. They they ended up wanting to uh, completely throw away the, the theme that we had and redesign the theme from scratch to implement the new designs. And that took a lot longer than they expected. Um, so I was expecting, I was expecting the work to be done that month. I figured like I was buying 60 hours for March and I figured like, okay, 10 to 20 hours to wrap up the design. And then maybe like 10 to 15 hours to implement those designs on each page. Cause I, re I only needed redesigns on three pages. Um, but then it ended up being, they, through some miscommunication, they ended up fixing bugs instead of like minor bugs on the site, instead of starting the design work. Then the whole theme thing took another five weeks, and then it wasn't until, um, and then by that point, um, they they were dragging for so long, and I was so deep in that I was just like, okay, like I have to terminate the project. So I, the fortunately, the retainer only had a, a twenty eight day notice period. So if if it had been a longer commitment, I wouldn't have done it. But one month wasn't too bad, and so I told them like, hey, it's over. This is this isn't going the way I wanted. And then it was sort of surprising that that's the point where like the project went really smoothly. They after that, they did finish each page in about a week each. And then um, at the end of the month, the, the project was done. Hmm. So it, it, here's another another reason why I think the owner's logical but unpersuasive story about you needing to be on retainer is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, he knew you weren't going to be a long-term client. So well, well, it was possible that we could be. Like he, he also wanted the to redesign. Um, so there's like the the website and then there's the web app in the product itself. And from the beginning, he was like, we could redesign the web app for you. Like, we're really interested in doing that, um, which I was open to. And like, it it could have been like, that was the, the other thing keeping me going that like, this did have the potential to be a good relationship. Like within the team, there's no UX experts. Um, one of the, the developers on the team is pretty good at design. But whenever we do have to do something that's very UX heavy, it takes us much longer than I think a professional UX designer would take. And so just having like a designer on retainer for 40 hours that we could like offload some front end work to offload some design work to when we needed to, like that had a lot of potential. And so he wanted that to continue. Like he wanted us to be a long-term client. He also wanted, like, I think he was also hoping for us to grow to the point where like, maybe we are doing like 20 to $30,000 with design work. Like if the website really takes off, the the changes make a big difference, then we become a big client for him. Okay. That makes sense then. Okay. So there was some hope. Yeah. Um, okay. But you did, ultimately you did pull the plug. They right. finished the work. 
uh, I don't think there was, was there anything else there? The site went live, right? Yep. And then the month, and then what happened the month after the, the, the first 30 days after the site, the new site went live. So it did seem to increase sales. So the first month, I think it was like a 30% increase in sales. And then um, the next month, it was something like a, I think a 20 or 25% from the previous month. So I think the in month two, it was like 60% higher than the month before we launched the the new designs. And again, this it's not rigorous. So I I don't know how much of that is due to the new design or, but it it was like a record high in sales and there was no other... Usually, like when we have a big record sales, there's some event that explains it, and like really nothing else had happened. So it, it did seem like it was contributing to to sales. Um, I did invite the CEO to do a postmortem. I, I told him I wanted to write a blog post about the experience and say, you know, like the things that I learned. And I told him like I I thought there were a lot of things that both of us could have done to improve the outcome. And so we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the here's something I found interesting in the about the blog post and uh, the people who sent it in, because I wrote sort of a, you inspired me to write a sort of a highly summarized version of like the 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 classic situation. So mm-hmm. I used some of your numbers, for example, you know, anonymously, right. but, um, but so a lot of people wrote in or like, oh, I saw that article too. You know, like they, they, they knew because it was like the same mm-hmm. papers came out or the same day sure. of it. And, and there's a lot of conversation about it. And a lot of people didn't get all the way to the conclusion mm-hmm. where you said something I found really interesting, which was that, you know, like you just said, it seemed like it contributed to a significant increase in sales, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 60% increase in sales for the first mm-hmm. couple of months. And that, which uh, almost, I'm trying to remember the numbers, it didn't quite cover the 46000 you spent, but it was pretty close to recouping your money in like two months. Right. But then you, and presumably that would continue at those levels. Who knows? Maybe not, but it could. Mm-hmm. And you said, if you're going, that you regret it. I mean, the whole, in the title, it says you regretted it. It's like, well, but it worked right. out great. So like, why, what's the thing you regret? You know what I mean? Yeah. I regret how much time it took up. I think I probably could have gotten 80% of the benefit with 20% of the effort. I think it really should have been a much more tightly scoped project. I think that we didn't talk about this too much, but like it sort of kept growing in scope. Like the, they wanted to, the the boundary between the rebrand and the redesign was blurry. And then the, the line between like what's strictly necessary to implement this design and then what's necessary to, um, you know, maintain good coding practices like that continued like bloating this, the scope of the project. So I think it was, I don't like to take huge bets and like, I don't want to just spend $45,000 and then just say like, Oh, let's see if I make it back. Like I'd much rather make a a much smaller bet, like, you know, something like that's going to take 20 hours of my time and maybe 10, $15,000 and then see if that has an impact on sales Mm -hmm. rather than this, this big bet um, that like really has to pay off a lot for it to be worth the time. But I think I probably could have gotten you know, there, there's an opportunity cost in all the other things that I was doing right, right, um, right. when I was dealing with this agency for eight months. So if they had come to you, you know, in day one, when you were looking for agencies and they said, oh, it'll take about eight months, it'll be $46,000. Yeah, definitely not. Right. So you kind of got, you know, and you said in the in, in the post and here that you feel like both, both parties could have done things differently mm-hmm. uh, to improve the experience. 
but you did get you got kind of dragged through it like there's it's not and i'm not i'm not pointing fingers at this mystery agency really mm-hmm. i i think the a huge contributor to the situation is hourly billing mm-hmm. which i know we've discussed somewhere i think it was email Mm-hmm. that you still think out you you disagreed basically you were like well yeah. i still i'm a fan of hourly billing yeah and i'm but i'm here to tell you that hourly <laughs> billing is the reason this happened <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm interested in your case for why hourly billing was at the root of it uh well because the incentives are misaligned it's mm-hmm. it's financially beneficial for the seller to take longer and right. bloat the scope mm-hmm. and it's uh, and that's the opposite of what the buyer wants. Right. Buyer wants it done in 20 hours for $10,000. Right. And, and the problem is that it's insidious. You know, mm-hmm. I used to build by the hour. We weren't, you know, immoral or trying to cheat anybody. Right. But the fact that we are, we would be punished financially for being fast mm-hmm. causes you to not think of ways to be fast. Right. So you just don't come up with ways to be fast. And, and mm-hmm. to your point, when people are really good at estimating, you know, when the seller is really good at estimating their hours and the seller is really good at controlling the scope mm-hmm. and is always trying to, to do less scope, not more, you mm-hmm. can, you can create customer satisfaction. You can have a right. situation where the, the, um, the client is happy. The, mm-hmm. the estimate that was given up front ends up being the price and not mm-hmm. some other higher number being the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's true that you can do that, but you're you're playing on hard mode as the seller right if you're selling hours you have no zero incentive to be able to do better work quicker there's just none i don't even understand why people buy faster computers like what's like why would you do that invest all that money to lose lose money right so so it's not that you know i i agree that yes probably even in this exact same model things could have been done differently maybe those weekly meetings would have been a good idea Mm -hmm. um so that you could spot them scope creeping or uh, get clarity between um, the rebrand and the redesign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but it is wh- when I was running a firm, I had, I had these problems with dozens, you know, scores of clients. It was mm-hmm. extraordinarily common and everyone's right. just sort of like mystified. Like how come this keeps happening and no one uh-huh. like we're doing our best. We're really genuinely trying to do our best. We're trying to hit the estimates but you're not penalized other than getting angry emails mm-hmm. and occasional tough conversations like your postmortem or like your conversation when he told you you needed to buy a retainer. That was, that was a normal occurrence in right. the, it's a normal occurrence in the, in this model. Right. And as soon as I realized that, that it was certainly a root cause, if not the sole cause, it was a major cause. I was like, Oh, that would fix everything. Mm-hmm. So what if someone had, so imagine if, if someone came to you or if the, even this agency, it doesn't matter if it was this one or another one, really, mm-hmm. but if they came to you and said, Oh, um, what are you looking to do? Well, I, you know, I feel like the site doesn't look professional. I'd like it to look professional. Um, I think it'll, con- I'm pretty sure it'll contribute to an increase in sales. Maybe 10% would be nice. 10% increase in sales. Like I feel like that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, you know, 10% increase in sales. That's, you know, four or $5,000 a month. Um, if you give us 15 grand, uh, we'll get you that 10% increase in sales by redesigning the site. Mm-hmm. Would that have been, you know, and like, boom, just give them 15 grand. 
they go do their thing. They come back with the designs and maybe you guys have to work together to implement them because it's a, an unusual uh, website architecture. But, you know, is that would that have been an attractive thing or would you not have even been able to wrap your head around someone who didn't have an hourly rate? No, I mean, like some of the people that I interviewed pitched an hour or uh, pitched like a milestone based plan with prices for each milestone or right with prices okay. for each milestone. Um, so I don't have anything against milestone based pricing. Uh, the biggest problem was just that the agency wasn't willing to do that. Like to to them, I'm a small client. Like for them to commit to milestone based pricing, they have to kind of make predictions about me and like especially for something where it's like very open-ended, like create a new logo, create a new brand. If I'm just unsatisfied for weeks at a time, then like it's a terrible deal for them because they're stuck in this thing that's like $15,000 is a pretty small amount to them. And they've, they're stuck on this unbounded contract. So like for this, I would have liked if, if they had said like, we'll, we'll do um, like a package deal where it's a flat fee that would have been nice but it also if i had insisted on that i wouldn't have gotten the agency that i wanted right and let me, i mean you're extraordinarily sort of empathetic with their situation uh, mm -hmm. in this particular you know this particular agency right um, but for just for the listener uh, the 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 comment that you just made about the unbounded scope it's like how how do they know that they could satisfy me it's like well if they're good at it <laughs> if they had a, if they had a financial incentive to get good at picking clients that they could satisfy with their logo package, mm -hmm. then they'd probably, you know, if they had the, that financial incentive, then they probably would get better at it. But since they don't have that financial incentive, they don't get better at it. I don't think it's like me being especially empathetic. It's from working with a lot of freelancers. Like I've worked with graphic designers before and I've, I've interviewed a lot of them about, like I wrote a blog post about hiring a graphic designer. And so I interviewed a lot of them and, one of the things that surprised me was how reluctant a lot of them are to start working with a new client, especially on a platform like Upwork, where it's it's biased in the favor of the client. Because the client does have a lot of power. Like once you sign the contract with them, they will try to expand the scope and make you do more than you agreed to. And so, like, I'm not trying to protect them from me, but I think if you if you as the client, if you're limiting it to agencies that um, only do flat fee billing for a project like this, then you're eliminating the agencies that are good, but that are afraid of a terrible client that's going to ask for the moon for like a $15,000 flat fee. Yeah, that's true. I don't see the downside of that, but yes, it's true. Like some, you, that will, it will limit the number of, it'll limit your choices to the people right. who will give you a price instead of giving you an estimate. And then turning out later, the price was what, five times more. Right, but I think I, I think for for a business of my size, you don't generally have that luxury. Like I didn't have that luxury. I, it's not like I had twenty agencies to choose from, and I went with the one that that had hourly. Like I found one agency that I thought was a good match, and they because they have the luxury of being choosy about their clients. Like they want to protect themselves with an hourly contract. So I can't I can't both have the agency that I want or that seems talented enough to do what I want and have a, a flat fee. Hmm. Okay, but if if you if there was one though, would that sure. have been preferable? Yes. All right, that's that's the important piece. So I, I I grant you that most people who do stuff like this bill by the hour for the exact reason that you just said, which is that they're protecting themselves. They're not protecting you. Right. 
they're protecting themselves from you. Sure. So it sets up this uh, this dynamic where it's it's from the jump. It's um, you know people sitting on opposite sides of the table. Like like a lot of agencies will talk a big game, especially dev shops. They'll talk a big game. We're your partner. You know, mm-hmm. trusted advisor, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we don't trust you. We don't trust right. you right. to not abuse our time. Right. So we're going to bill by the hour. It's like, well, are you a partner or not? Right. Well, I mean, I think it's hard. Like if with a flat fee, the client doesn't quite have skin in the game. Like it costs them nothing to keep asking to see more revisions, to to see different versions of ideas. So there's perverse incentives with that as well. So here's here's my this is old news to people who've listened to the podcast or my mailing list, but um, revisions are not what you want as a mm-hmm. client. What you mm-hmm. want is the outcome. So if right. if I don't know, IDO comes along and is like, hey, we've got a package for for fifteen thousand dollars. We'll do a complete rebrand, give you everything you need, uh, ensure that it's something that can be implemented into your site architecture. You your guys do the implementation, but we'll give you just. A design, not a gorgeous design, but a design that gives you the outcome that you want. Right. So imagine how attractive it would be for an agency who is promise, promising you like an increase in sales. Mm-hmm. Would you really be worried about revisions if they were able to do that? I'm skeptical that an agency can guarantee any particular uh, increase in sales. Like, I think, you know, like 10% is maybe modest, but like if if they're going for more than that, like... I think it's hard for them to guarantee. And then I don't really love the idea of like, I have to blindly take whatever they give me because the outcome is the only thing I, I care about. Like mm, go into that more. The outcome is a thing that I care about, but I still want it to feel like my site. Like if they said, okay, like to get to 10%, we're going to have like a big thing that flashes and like uh, lots of animation and stuff. And it makes it feel like a totally different company. Like, I don't want that. I still want to be able to have some creative contribution into like what makes the site feel like authentically my site and still my brand. Sure. Yeah. And a good agency will do that too. I mean, that would be, they were no agency is going to come along and, and be like, oh, we're going to completely change your brand to increase sales. Pro- probably. Right. Right. So yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't, I would just, I guess that's with tacit assumption, but it's good that you made it explicit. Right. So if someone came along was like, I mean, I've literally, when I was doing development, I, I had one client toward the end where um, I knew it was sort of an introduction through a friend, you know, it was kind of like, I, it was a referral and I was mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I was doing him a favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably shouldn't have taken the client on. Uh-huh. I knew it wasn't a great personality fit, but I knew I could do, I knew I could do what he wanted, which was right. make his desktop site work great on mobile because and and because and he really wanted that because he could see that his uh, in his analytics that the the mobile traffic was going through the roof mm-hmm. and the site was literally unusable on a phone so mm-hmm. uh so i gave him a couple of options or three options to choose from and one of the lower options was uh that you know i would i would inherit the styling colors fonts and all that stuff from the main site but there would be no design review Mm-hmm. He was not allowed to, you know, he could give me feedback about stuff, but I was not going to be, uh, if I thought it was a good idea, I might do it, but I might not. Mm-hmm. The goal was to decrease uh, abandoned carts on mobile. Mm-hmm. And we weren't, you know, it was just going to be a waste of everybody's time for him to be like, oh, could you make that red a little redder? Right. So, and that was the one he picked. So mm-hmm. that's what we did, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, um, 
and it was kind of like it that and it and I didn't do you know it was and it was the kind of site that you could have flashing animations and be real gross and you know and real salesy because <laughs> it was like a low ticket lots of low ticket sales right but yeah no I you know so there's a little bit of assurance there that it wasn't going to look like a different site like it needed to sure. still match the desktop version sure um, yeah and I gave him a fixed price for that and it was fine it was it was not the greatest but it was fine was yours. It, was it the price just for the design or was it the implementation as well? Implementation as well. I think that's a little bit of a factor here as well, because it is possible for the designers, like if it's a fixed price, it's hard, it's possible for the designers to introduce complicated designs that are like look nice, but are not actually easy to implement. Mm -hmm. That shifts work onto the developers. Um, so that that was a bit of a factor too. Like I wanted to make sure I was still protecting the the dev side and not letting like if they just say like, okay, we guarantee you, if you implement these designs, you'll see a 10% increase, but then they'd like give me a design where desktop looks one way and mobile looks completely different. It's like very hard to make a responsive design that does both. Then it's... How, how does the hourly help with that though? Um, with, with the agency doing the dev work? How does hourly help with the situation where the designers come up with a design that's hard to implement? Oh, because I still have uh, feedback into the design work. Like it, it sounds like you're talking about a situation where you say, like, I'm going to guarantee you this outcome. You don't, you don't give me feedback, or like I don't necessarily have to take your feedback. Um, but like I'm going to guarantee you an outcome. I think that would have been a problem here if they say, like, I'm going to guarantee you a 10% increase in sales. But uh, and so you don't get to like give feedback into our process. But the the end result is is designs that I have to hand over to my developers and then my developers have to do the work of putting it up on the site. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, that is, it is, you you have a, there are a bunch of, there's probably three or four interesting nuances in your particular version of this story. Uh, one being that you're on a, on a deprecated platform in the first place, which is like, earth, you know, like if it was, if it was WordPress or Shopify or something, then an agency really would be able to come along and say, yeah, like they could just look at your site and be like, the call to actions are all wrong. We can fix this in like two days. The platform, I don't think was too big of an issue. Like it's, it's basically just a view site. So like it was view and bootstrap, which are pretty commonplace. So then why not have them implement it? Uh, just because like, I felt like I'm, I'm good at managing a dev team already. Like I didn't need to pay a much higher rate to get their devs as opposed to mine. But I'm curious about the like if you were if the roles are reversed and you're you're uh, like soliciting bids on this project and you're you feel very strongly uh, that hourly is is the cause of many problems in projects. Mm -hmm. Like what what do you do in my shoes if the agency that you want is is only willing to do hourly and you're too small a client to have a lot of influence over them to to change the pay structure? Like what? What are your options at that point? Well, I mean, if there's no option, there's no option. But I, I would not, I would not enter into a relationship where the the power dynamic put me in such a weak position. Mm -hmm. I, would, yeah, I don't care how I good their stuff is. I mean, right. I, I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to be the small fish. I want to be the big fish. Right. right. Yeah, I agree with that. Does that make my search much harder? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm in a, a sort of a weird position, like a company my size, like any agency that I can find if I like Google search or something is is generally going to be too big for me. And then the agencies that proactively reach out are like very low quality overseas, like we'll do it for $500 or something mm -hmm. like very unreasonable. 
Well, that reminds me, you had some interesting, like, like follow up in at the end of the article where it's like a whole bunch of people were like, why didn't you just right. like, do this, do that, do the other? So like, what were some of the things that like, you know, like, why didn't you just move the whole thing to Shopify? Why right. didn't you just, what were some of the other ones? Why didn't you just, you know, get, get, you know, 10 of these, oh, we'll do it for $500 people right? and throw away nine of them. Yeah. I'm just so skeptical that they like do it for $500. People can produce anything good. I don't know if you're a fan of Joel Spolsky, but mm-hmm. he wrote this article that has always stuck with me um, called hitting the high notes where like uh, if you, he was talking at the time he was talking about like Zune versus iPod. <laughs> and he was like, iPod is just like so clearly a better design than the Zune. And like, if, even if you gave Microsoft like 50 years to design a better Zune, like they would never get to the iPod just because they can't hit the high notes. And I feel like that's that's true with uh, design and development. Like if if I hire like 10 low rate de- designers and developers, like I'm probably not going to get any good results and I'm going to burn a lot of time in, in working with them. And so I do like, I, I feel like you do have to, you do have to find, like, that's the thing that's hard is like the people that claim that they can do good work and the people that can't but are expensive are hard to distinguish between until you start actually working with them mm. some people have like fake portfolios or or whatever and so you have to kind of like invest time into working with them like you know if you're if you're google or somebody who can throw around like a hundred thousand dollars and not care like you you can you can work with like bigger players who have a, a better track record but like at my scale you're working with people who you can't really you can't really like get a lot of information about them before you start working with them. And so you, you do have to make a bit of an investment. And so for something like where they're saying, like, it's a pretty small project, it's hard to get like, you know, 10 or 20 hours in and then say like, actually, no, like you're not ideal. I'm going to start with over somebody better or, hmm. and, and then like going back to your question of like, why not 10 of the the low quality? Like, I think it, I've never had a good experience. Like I've, I've tried hiring like low cost developers and it's just like, I just always get garbage. And so it's, it's not really worth it to me. Hmm. All right. I mean, so you're, you're basically, it's kind of like buying the entry level BMW. That's kind of what you did. Uh, right. So you're like, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, I could, I could buy two Kias or three right. Kias. Right. But I, I, I want to be, I want this website to be like a luxury purchase. This sure. reason wants to be a, lu- right. a luxury purchase, but I can't afford the top of the line. Right. Or don't want to. I mean, it sounds like you could because you did. You you did go for the retainer eventually, right? Um, but it was like, yeah, I didn't, really didn't want to do that. I would have never done that up front, right? Right. So they kind of like, you know, it was kind of like the used car salesman or the car salesman being like, oh, do you want the undercoat? Do you want the uh-huh. you know, heated seats? And like all of a sudden you're into, right? You know, five times more than you were expecting to spend, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a reasonable place for a buyer to be coming from. Yeah. And, and do you feel like they did hit the high notes? Um, eh, I like the logo. I feel like, I feel like they did a pretty good job with the logo. Um, the design. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't think the design is amazing. Like, I think a lot of the feedback I got from the article was like, oh, it looks like, you know, like the average bootstrap site. And I think there's, there's validity to that, but like, it's definitely better than what I could have made. Um, it's better than the the portfolios I saw of the other people I interviewed. So I wouldn't say like they they really hit it out of the park, but I think like if this was like a $15,000 job or a $20,000 job, I'd be very happy. Got it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it looks good. And, and the sales, if the sales can be attributed to the redesign, which it seems like yeah. it can be, it was yeah. worth every penny. Sure. So, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the experience of, of you know, taking a train, taking the Acela from Providence to Boston uh -huh. and whatever it costs, you know, 150 bucks or whatever it is. And you, you go to sit in like the quiet car and they're like, oh, no, 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 um, you're going to be strapped to the front of the train. <laughs> and you still get to Boston. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. You know, it's like you get the experience of the journey was awful. Right. Yeah. So, and you got backed into a price for predictable reasons that you wouldn't have agreed to upfront. Right. Yeah. That's how they get you these hourly billers. Uh -huh. <laughs> they lowball you and then you have sunk cost. And now you're the, it seems like the easiest thing to do is keep, keep going. Right. Um, so, all right. Well, I mean, in your, in, if I was going to give you any advice, cause you did ask, like if, if I were in your shoes, what would I do? Mm -hmm. uh, because you're right. It is tough to tell, uh, people who are talking a good game from the people who are actually good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would, I would only work with someone if I was planning on investing a significant amount of money, I would only work with someone on a real small sort of test drive basis first. Mm -hmm. which, w which sounds like wouldn't have been an option with this, the people you wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, same thing. You're not allowed to test drive a Ferrari. Uh, you, just, you either want it or you don't get out of here, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, but if it were me, that's what I would do. I would, mm -hmm. I would find maybe um, two or three developer, uh, uh, sorry, designers, maybe mm -hmm. three or four and say, okay, I want to, uh, here's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever it is. And I want mm -hmm. you to pick one thing. Mm-hmm suggest a new color scheme, you know, typography for my site. Just tell right. me how I should redo the, the type. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You just tell me how. Sure. Something like that and see what yeah. the working relationship is like. See if they're responsive. See if they're, uh, see if they do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. See if they keep their promises is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. It's like have them make a promise and keep it, make a promise, sure. and keep it, make a promise yeah. and keep it. That's how you build like a trusting business real any kind of trusting relationship but that's a trusting yeah. business relationship and you know maybe this is maybe i'm going out on a limb here but i feel like a really good designer pretty good designer who understands you inside out mm -hmm. is going to do a better job than like a prima donna designer who comes in is like you didn't get any revisions we're just going to like make it the most beautiful <laughs> piece of you know what i mean right it's like this i feel this sort of similar with employees it's like i'd rather hire somebody who can get on base every time, not someone who's always swinging for the fence. Yeah. But you know, maybe that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been a reasonable strategy. I think the the thing that was limiting is that I didn't have a large source of designers to, to ask. So like, mm. I, I guess I could have done Upwork, but I kind of reluctant to use it, but mm -hmm. like of the designers I, I found, like I inter only interviewed probably like four or five, um, and I felt like I could tell from the jump that a few of them wouldn't be a good match. But I've I've done Bake Offs before. Actually, the illustrator that does my um, does all illustrations for my blog, I found her through a Bake Off on Upwork, where I just hired like several different designers to make one illustration. Mm -hmm. um, and then I I liked hers, and she's been working with me for five years. So that yeah, I definitely think that strategy can work. Have you had a lot of people reach out since the article to say, oh, I'm, if you ever need somebody to 
Yeah, I got a lot of, but it's like those. It's 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 all kind of meaningless because they're like, oh, I could have done it for like three thousand, and like, okay, but like, yeah, I'm still in the position of like, I can't really verify those claims without like paying the money and like trying to to get them to do a project. But at this point, I'm kind of burned out on on <laughs> touching the website, so I'm I'm putting it on hold for a while. Yeah, but well, hopefully this attention, you know, is gonna also increasing you see now you're not going to be able to attribute it to the, the redesign right. you have to say oh i was at the top of hacker news for two weeks so, right or whatever for an entire weekend yeah uh cool all right well this has been super helpful to me i hope the listeners got something out of it as well and i wonder uh, where can people go to find out more about you maybe check out your blog maybe they need maybe they need to buy a tiny pilot for their server sure so my blog is mtlynch.io and my website for Tiny Pilot is tinypilotkvm.com. That's kilovictormike.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter at deliberate coder. At deliberate coder. Cool. Yep. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me, Michael. Thank you. All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.